Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Inside the Five at Stuff. And it's Griff. And today we have some breaking NFL news. We are going to recap the conference championships, both AFC and NFC. And we're going to talk college ball for the first time all season. I mean, yep. since March Madness, at least. Griff, what do you say? Let's go. Welcome back to Inside the Five, and let's get things started with some breaking news that happened yesterday morning. Today is Thursday, February 2nd, by the way. Um, Tom Brady retired for the second time in his career. Um, I don't really think that we really need to go into much detail. I think we've gotten everything we've needed to say out last time. Nothing really happened over the course of the year that would change that. Uh, Great career, greatest of all time. Thanks for my childhood. That's it. Does he go down as a Patriot or a Buck? Patriot. Well, no, so no, no. here's – well, no, it's funny you say that because I've seen the argument on Twitter, right? And in Buck's standards, he's their best player of all time. Of all time. And he was there for three seasons. So, Who was the best player in Buck's history before that? I mean, some will say Rondé Barber, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks. Allstott? Allstott. I mean – Mike Evans should be considered that. In my yeah, opinion. Mike Evans is up there. Mike Evans is going to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. People don't realize that. He literally has a thousand yards every single year. He touches double digit touchdowns. He's going to finish like top 10 receiving all time. No one talks about that at all. And I think it's hilarious. But Mike Evans is a stud and he's, he's out of Tampa this year 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, even if he isn't out of Tampa, we'll see what Tampa Bay does uh, with their quarterback position. At the end of the day, I feel like everybody knew. You know, not 100% that he was going to be out of uh, the game, but that he was going to be out of Tampa. I feel like there wasn't really much speculation amongst him coming back. And I think it was just the right decision. It's time to hang it up. Let's see if he actually does it, though. I mean, we're only only one day off, and, you know, he kind of just hit us with a random video on the beach. So Mm -hmm. we'll see once he comes back. I mean, in in my imagination, in my, like, in perfect case scenario – Tom Brady gets back with his wife. I think that he does. I think that wow. he does. Yep. What are the odds? That- All right. Let's put the let's put the odds on for that. What do you have the odds set at? They're plus. They are yeah. like okay. I mean, getting okay. back okay. in. Yeah, getting back with your wife, like after getting divorced. I mean, it's and it's after she basically game. cheated on you. Like, let's be real. Yeah, there, no, there was I, some fishy timing there. There was fishy timing, which which I think boost the odds in my favor. I would say, oh, I actually don't even know where to put the line at. You know, what? I right, think here's, you want to you want to hear mine? Yeah. Um, and I'll give you my reasoning. I think it's plus two seventy five. Okay. Okay. And my reasoning is the after he or before he posted his montage on his story and everything and on Instagram yesterday, the line was probably at plus four fifty. But yes, yes, ever, yes, yes. The montage he included so many pictures of like this, like there's no way because he included his like his primary family, like his sisters, yeah. his parents, his kids, like all separate. And then he started posting with her, and I'm like, oh, that's something. I mean, it, this we're just TMZ pop like E channel right now, but like yeah, no, I like it though. Like let's, I think let's, like this is his life now. Tom Brady is now yeah. a celebrity. And he's going to be so in the broadcast the booth. About celebrities. Yeah, no, he's going to be in the broadcast booth. We know that. Um, I bet he'll make an appearance in Patriots Place sometime within the next year. 
to retire his number. Maybe they dedicate one game, Jersey retirement, Tom Brady, Patriots Hall of Famer. I don't know what the criteria is, how long you have to wait to be a Patriots Hall Four of Famer. Four years, Patriots assume. Hall of Fame. That's so dumb. It might. Yeah, people just, are saying that they might just do it this season. I think that I wouldn't be surprised, with, especially with the way Robert Kraft literally went into the Patriots Hall of Fame to talk about him. Like, yeah, over and under what, two and a half years before a statue gets put up in Foxborough. I think that they're going to release the plans to put one up under two and a half years, but it will actually go up when they finish the renovation. Oh, no, the renovations for Gillette are going to be done next year. They're going to be done next year. I think – all right, so I think it's going to be under. I think it's going to be everything under. I think when they finish right. the renovations, they're going to add a statue. Add a statue. There's no statue at Gillette. There's no statue. They need something for Tom Brady. Like, without Tom Brady, there is no Patriots franchise. Agreed. Agreed. I agree on Nothing. And he, wow. he created the standard of winning across the league. I mean, we will never see anything like it again. And everyone's always going to say, oh, what about Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes literally loses one more Super Bowl. So if he loses this upcoming Super Bowl, there's going to be the argument between him and Brady. Like Brady went seven and three in Super Bowls, and Mahomes is going to be one and two. So we really think that he's going to go six and one over the next seven appearances. You know what I mean? So, so it's one of those things where the standard of winning is so high right now, especially probably for the next 10, 15 years, no one's going to touch him. No one's going to touch him, yeah. and no one's going to touch that legacy. And he has every single passing record possible, which will probably get broken. And if I had to guess, whether it be by Mahomes, whoever, just because of that extra game, that extra game adds a lot of football, essentially. So, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. but that wraps up Tom Brady talk. I mean, we, we originally were planning on just talk, a little blurb, but hey, this is why you come listen to Inside the Five. We I'm taking the plus tangents. 275 as well. Like that, that's serious talk. Yeah, I wonder what we could parlay it with. Um, uh, the under we'll, we'll, statue. Yep. Okay. okay. I also want to say it takes four years to get into the Patriots Hall of Fame. The line at three and a half, I'm taking the under. I think they make an exception. I think he's in it next year. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll take all three of those and we'll we'll come back to this all episode. Boosted to plus 850. Yeah. That, that's a pro, that's a money maker, Griff. We just won yeah, people yeah. money. Bet it yeah, on so our We'll book. be tracking that over the, the yep. span of the next four years. <laughs> Um, but I mean, let, let's get it. Let's get into the conference championships. We know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, I've said, I said this after Sunday, I think it said in our group chat, um, I hate both teams involved and I'm going to be straight up, but Hey, next week is Super Bowl week. We'll get to the predictions for the Super Bowl. Then let's talk NFC championship. The Philadelphia Eagles trounced the San Francisco 49ers. That wasn't a contest. I mean, there was extenuating circumstances that determined that. However, I don't think Brock Purdy really would have made a big difference in this game. You know what? I, I agree, but, I mean, it had to have been a lot closer if it was Brock Purdy. Josh Johnson, who came in, who's been in the league forever, who has never really done anything, he came in and he looked horrible. Like, I actually think that Josh Johnson's out of the league now after that performance that he put up. He's been in the league for like 12, 13 years, but you're right. Brock Purdy, I don't think would have gone out and won this game. Yeah. That's what I, and, and um, I think it would have been a lot closer, but if you ask me, Brock Purdy, who has now, you know, just to look at the 49ers side of things real quick, 
who has now six months um, off due to surgery, um, he's getting Tommy John. I don't know if you saw that, but he's getting Tommy John. He's out for six months. He's slated to be back like a week before training camp starts. Trey Lance, who, I mean, this is going to be a quarterback battle next year, um, is eligible to start throwing the ball around in three weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo is 100% not going to be a part of the organization next year, they said. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say either this morning or yesterday. Um, I think it was yesterday. But it's going to be up to those two. It's going to be Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. I think it's going to be a great quarterback battle. And the fact that Trey Lance comes back in three weeks and he's, um, you know, permitted to participate in these offseason camps and and the OTAs once it gets a little bit closer to spring – Whereas uh, Brock Purdy's out until like August, even maybe early September, it's going to be tough for Brock Purdy to win that job week one, but he will be there throughout, you know, and he's obviously a great quarterback, so they're going to keep him. That's going to be a great battle. That's an early, early indication of a great quarterback battle for the NFL. And we look at quarterback battles every preseason. It's one of our favorite things to do. So just a quick heads up. That's going to be a fun one, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Um, I think it's going to go throughout training camp. I think it's going to leak into the regular season too, because there's no clear indication as to how this team would do with Trey Lance. They went, mm-hmm. they only, they lost their only game with him. He got hurt early in week two. Brock Purdy led them to the NFC championship. And there's that big question mark, right? I mean, he's a game manager. There's no doubting that, but that's all you need to be in a Kyle Shanahan led offense. So it's yep. really going to come down to if Trey Lance can be a smart quarterback and, uh, be a game manager essentially, right? Because the key to success in Shanahan's offense is not turning the ball over and controlling clock, uh, running the ball. You know what I mean? So it's like, can Shanahan optimize Trey Lance's skills to be the San Francisco 49ers quarterback? Because I don't really think that I have any doubt that Trey Lance could succeed in another system. I think he's a talented player. There's a reason why he went top five in the draft in a talented quarterback draft, like nonetheless. So we'll see because it's it's how you respond, I guess, to adversity because there will be adversity early on for Trey Lance. If he wins the starting quarterback job to be the quarterback of the 49ers week one and he really doesn't have a great outing, there will be a lot of pressure to put Brock Purdy back in. And there will be pressure to put him back in throughout the season if Trey Lance doesn't perform up to standard for a while. You know what I mean? You lose your yeah. defensive coordinator. That defense, I mean, we mm-hmm. we said this when Salah left. And then um, – I, I, th- I think no matter what, whoever the defensive coordinator of yeah. the 49ers is next year is the next one up due for a head coaching job. 100%. I mean, and that's why I kind of, I kind of yeah. bit my tongue when I was talking about it. Um but the 49ers are going to be in good hands. That defense is going to be insane. Uh, you know the offense is going to be fine with Shanahan at the helm. So we'll see. It's going to be a fun battle. But let's talk about, a little bit about the Eagles, too. They're the one who won the game. Um, just a dominant outing. That defensive line, dominant. Secondary played awesome. Their linebackers are awesome. Offense moved the ball when they had to, and they didn't have to throw the ball in the second half. This game, like I said, to start the segment, was never really in doubt, especially after Brock Hurdy got hurt. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's been a case of, you know, teams going up against the Eagle Eagles, they have to try to, you know, force Jalen Hurts, who is still quote-unquote injured. And it, you know, I, I'll take the quotations off of it. He is still injured. He's not 100% healthy. 
they have to try to force him to make these plays. But since that offensive line from Philadelphia is, I mean, the best in the league, and I don't even think that's up for debate. I think it's by far that they're the best offensive line in the league. Jalen Hurts hasn't really had to do anything. And we talked about it in the divisional. He didn't run that much. He didn't even really throw that much. And it's the same case here. He he ran 11 times, which is a decent amount. Obviously had his touchdown. I had uh, any time touchdown from him uh, that day on the bet slip. I cashed that. Um, 39 yards, though, on the ground from him. 121 yards in the air. He's not putting up those MVP numbers he's been putting up for, throughout the whole season. But, you know, the team still wins 31 to seven. It's it's a perfect example of how good this team really is. But just to, you know, take the other route to that, seeing Hurts throughout this playoff run, I mean, he hasn't been magnificent. He hasn't really been anything special. He's had his moments, but he's not putting up those numbers. And, you know, they say any given Sunday and once Super Bowl time comes up, obviously we won't be giving our Super Bowl predictions on this episode. But once Super Bowl time comes up, Jalen Hurts is going to have to step up a little bit more than than he's performed in the playoffs, or at least in my opinion, because no matter what, if you like it or not, you can say the Chiefs defense sucks. You can say that their offensive line sucks, that they don't have um, that they don't have the receivers, the targets, all these different things. But, you know, and obviously we'll talk about the Chiefs team. The coaches have been there before. Their quarterback has been there before, and their key like positions have been there before. And I'm talking about Chris Jones. Um, I'm talking about Frank Clark. I'm talking about obviously Travis Kelsey. They they have a lot of guys with a lot of experience. And to beat experience, you just got to go out there and ball out. And that's exactly what Jalen Hurts um, is capable of. But I just want to keep an eye out for that injury. I know we're looking at the other quarterback's injury as well. But Jalen Hurts has been kind of swept under the rug. He hasn't been performing the way he's been performing all year. And I, I mean, I 100% agree with you. Stats don't lie. Numbers don't lie. hes I don't want to say he's lucky he hasn't had to perform, but in the Super Bowl, there's no doubt he's going to have to throw the ball. He's going to have to use his legs and get some yards. So, yep. it will. I mean, both quarterbacks are injured. Both mm-hmm. quarterbacks have leg injuries that kind of change their game, change their philosophy going into the Super Bowl. So, I mean, Trey, Jalen Hurts, this time off that they have, is going to be huge for them. And I think it's going to be huge for both teams, essentially, you know, to get healthy. We'll talk about the Chiefs in a second, but they had some really bad injuries too that almost derailed their entire season. Luckily, they they capitalized and won the game. How about let's talk about that game right now? I think yeah. we've yeah, yeah. covered all grounds for the Eagles. Congratulations to them on winning the NFC Championship. But the Cincinnati Bengals go into – Arrowhead Stadium, and they lost. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. And let me let me note: this was my worst betting week in the NFL. I think ever. I think I went zero for four on my picks. Um, I went two for four. That's not bad. I, I picked the over in both. I picked the under in the Eagles game. Mm-hmm. In the Eagles, but yeah, yep, two two for four. I I swept on the Eagles game. I swept on the NFC Championship, but then I lost everything on the AFC Championship. I actually yeah, had probably. a uh, – if we want to talk about it, I did have a mega parlay throughout both games, which had spread, over, under, and then a, a anytime TD uh, for each team playing. And it was uh, $10 to win 1700 and all I needed was for Jamar Chase to score one more touchdown. The over would have hit as well. And um, obviously the Bengals would have won if that happened as well. But – 
ten dollars to win seventeen hundred almost happened. Hey, that almost dollars. It's the next bet. But I mean, this was a great game, in my opinion. I know the final few minutes there was some controversy around it, but we're not here to talk about controversy. We're here to just talk about football. And um, Patrick Mahomes, there's not enough I can actually say about this guy. I mean, how gutsy of a performance that was. I, I don't think it's being talked about nearly enough. I mean, a high I've been saying that is- the whole season. They had, Nobody's been talking about the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes put up 330 yards this week in the air. On a Nobody bum ankle. Like, I know. It's... I literally was a doubter too going into the week. I think I said it on last week's episode that it, he's not going to be able to do what he does best, and that's going to derail him. And that's why I picked the Bengals, and he just proved me wrong. He didn't have any receivers. His top three receivers weren't playing in that second half. They, Miko um, Hardman, Juju, and um, oh my god, I'm blanking. MVS well, got yeah. hurt too, right? Yeah, about the scaling got. I mean, he had but a great he, game, but got hurt at, at the he, end. Yeah. Hold on. I, I mean, but I, I think I'm missing someone key in this. Who got? But anyways, Travis Kelsey did Tony. his thing. Kadarius yes, Kadarius Tony. Tony. That's that MVS played. So he was missing three of his top four receivers, and he still put up over 300 yards in the air. He had the gutsiest scramble to get that first down. I know it was a late hit, a bet, whatever. Um, he still got the first down. They still were yeah. going to be able to run another play. You never know what happens. Maybe they're even mm-hmm. in field goal range with that scenario um but he just put the team on his back essentially and proved why he's the best quarterback in the nfl right now yeah and, the, and there really is a debate a debate i i've people have tried to you know say other names and, and in my opinion it's patrick mahomes and it's not even close i think that patrick mahomes is at a level of his own right now where the game gets innovated you know every i would say even every 20 years and it's amplified a lot more in the NBA, but the NFL as well. You know, we've gone from the 2000s, which were known for their defensive, like, you know, masterpieces in, in Baltimore. And you could even say that earlier in the 2010s. And then the Legion of Boom was kind of the end of that defensive boom. And, and then we've gone into kind of forming a run game to create a pass game instead of just having this run game. And Patrick Mahomes has been kind of at the forefront of this pass boom. It's like different generations. People are passing more. Um, obviously, there's another game in the year, so a lot of records are being broken. And you're seeing people pass for like 300, 400 yards a game, and it's really become it's, a normalcy. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes just, has been leading every single year of that, in my opinion. I, 100%. I was just about to say that's become the new norm. If you don't throw for 300 yards, no one really talks about how good of a game yeah. you have. So exactly. Um, both of these teams – that they match up perfectly. The line is two and a half right now in favor of the Eagles. Uh, it, it's really a pick them, in my opinion. You know, if one team wins, they're going to cover. Agree. I, I, I will say my early team. prediction, but this isn't a locked in. My early prediction, since I had them the whole year, but I gave up on them last week, mm-hmm. I'm taking the Chiefs. I, I, right, I, I haven't even thought about taking the Eagles yet, to be honest. To be 100% honest, I, uh, it's been like a weird roller coaster with me and the Chiefs. Every single time that I want to give up on them, they prove me wrong. And and I know you could say stuff about the officials in that game, but the Bengals had their chances, as does every single team when a game is lost. The reason that we watch football is to be entertained. And in my opinion, one of the biggest forms of entertainment is referees making mistakes. And human error 
is obviously a, a thing. People mess up. Everybody messes up. And, you know, there's a few calls every game that could go either way. Sometimes they, they roll the way of your team. Sometimes they roll the way of the other team. But the reason why humans are still officiating these games is you see Twitter. You see Stephen A. talking about it. You see all these analysts talking about it. If we had, like, I in, in their implementing robot umps, I don't mean to go into much of a rant, but without human error at the officiating position, there wouldn't be as much of a grasp amongst, you know, like the humanity of the game of football. Like people like to complain about it. It leads to conversations on Twitter. It leads to things going viral. It leads to people having stuff to talk about. You can be mad about it, but at the end of the day, I just want people to understand that you do not want robot ums. You don't no, no. robot refs. Like you want them to mess up honestly so you have something to talk about everybody so, wants to so, do that that's the reason that i really never talk about it because i'm glad that they make mistakes like if i'm out there on a football field and i'm running around with the most athletic dudes in the world if i like don't see a pass interference down the field i'm sorry i don't run a 4-3 <laughs> like i'm sorry i don't I'm sorry that I can't keep up with Patrick Mahomes. And, and you know, there's a lot of great calls in this game as well, as there always is. There's bad and good calls uh, throughout every game. And I bet we'll see a couple in the Super Bowl as we do every year too. But um, I just want to say that, that that part of the game, the the human error of that game especially, it was amplified. And in my opinion, um, it makes the game more entertaining. You know, your emotions oh, it, are it, it does 100%. More. And if you want to really magnetize every single play and speculate, there's probably a penalty, at least one or oh, two every penalties single every single play. So if you have a robot ref in football, and I don't really think there's been discussion of a robot ref. No, no. But if that discussion ever were to arise, you know how long these games would play, like take? Every single yeah, play, exactly. there'd be a penalty. Every single play, there'd be a stoppage. And that's just not – that's not entertaining. You know, you, you play the game – I mean, they say refs don't ref based off of momentum, but momentum's clearly a factor when it when everything happens. You know what I mean? There's like mm-hmm. let the boys play. A lot of unnecessary roughnesses aren't really called. A lot of t- whatever it may be, you you got to kind of let things go. And robots really don't have the capability of doing that. So yeah, it, and I I was talking just like throughout all sports, and obviously the robot ump is is more of a baseball thing that's getting implemented but they they have talked about like the sky official or sky ref or something like that which is like it's literally just somebody watching the game outside and they talk to him during instant replay and stuff like that but if somebody would see something through the tv they they could like walkie talkie it down they they've talked about implementing that and i just don't think that that's how the game should be played the game should be played in its natural form and it was in this game the most natural football gets, in my opinion, was in this game, the modern game of football. Um, Chiefs, Bengals, I, I think we'll see this matchup next year. I think we'll see this matchup uh, two years after that, after it's uh, Bengals, Chargers, the year that the Chargers win the Super Bowl, and then go Bolts. And then after that, I think we'll be back to Bengals, Chiefs. And you notice there's a team in the AFC East that I haven't mentioned. That's the Bills. They're going to suck forever. But yeah, th- this is going to be a very exciting rivalry. And it already is, in my opinion. And Patrick Mahomes finally got his revenge. We were talking about on the last episode, Stav, um, the the whiteboard material. And we talked about the whiteboard yeah. material that the Bengals were getting. After that, after recording that, it was just straight 
like Cincinnati going in on Kansas City. And from that point on, I was like, ah. That's yeah, you can't do that. That's such a dumb thing to a do. Mayor. It's like, like, yeah, you can't. You just can't give the team who's technically favored bulletin board material. It's just stupid. It's useless, and that's how you lose games, essentially. You know, you can't give a chip on the shoulder when you're the underdog. That's just dumb. And the Bengals got humbled, in my opinion. I don't think that they necessarily needed to be humbled because they're a good team and they deserve to kind of talk their shit. But at the same time, don't give bulletin board material. What's the point? Like, I'll never understand, and that's why I'm kind of grateful to be a Patriots fan, where you never really see reports of Patriots players giving up bulletin board material about other teams, right? And it's really just embarrassing when it comes back and bites you in the ass. It's really just stupid. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's like the soundbite I like to think of. I know this is this is kind of off track of bulletin board material, but things coming back to bite you in the ass. Super Bowl Fifty One when Muhammad Sanu and Taylor Gabriel were talking on the sideline. And I forgot, I think Taylor Gabriel is like, they've never seen anything like us. This is going to be a blow up, blah, blah, blah. And then you come back and they lose. Like you just sound stupid. You sound arrogant for no reason when you haven't won anything. Talk shit after you win. After you win, no one can take away anything from you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's no, definitely. And, and it's the perfect example of what we've been talking about. And, and uh, I don't want to make any comparisons, but, this AFC team, Kansas City, I mean, they're they're good. And it really doesn't matter who Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, this is an off year for the roster. And, and we knew that that was going to happen. That's what we were talking about the whole offseason, right? How this is an offload year. Tyreek Hill is gone. Travis Kelsey is getting to the end of his road as well. Um, they're losing some defensive pieces. They picked up a few rookies. People got hurt throughout the season as well. In my opinion, this should have been an off year for the Chiefs and it is like it really is, and they're in the Super Bowl, and that's just straight up because of their key their key players who I've already mentioned before, and I categorize their their key players as Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, um, excuse me, I just like Chris Jones, but Chris Jones and Frank Clark on the defensive yeah. side, two two guys each side, and then obviously they have their pieces like Legarius Sneed, who also got hurt uh, in the championship, but should be back as well. Willie Gay at linebacker has had a pretty good season as Nick well. Nick Bolton too. Nick Bolton, yes, exactly. These are guys that have stepped up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, George Carl Loftus, like they the they're too, getting yeah. pro they're getting production from everywhere, right? And that's what I like you said, I hate drawing comparisons because well I think eras should be separated by he essentially you can't compare teams from different eras, but it's like mm -hmm. you look at some of the early 2010s Patriots, right? And how the, their roster is kind of ship shaped whatever ship shape whatever you want to call it and they still had their core they had their mm -hmm. core and then guys would step up and produce and when you draft rookies like isaiah pacheco yeah, george exactly. Karloftis, nick bolton i think he's a second year player um even trent mcduffie in the afc championship stepped up big time that's he a rookie great well. plays so trent mcduffie is also a rookie they had three you, corners that were rookies because once yeah. the jerry state uh went out and they all played i think phenomenal for rookies in that situation where rookies aren't used to being in that spotlight in that scenario and they stepped up and played phenomenally and i think that's just an, a nod to their coaching andy reese yeah. top five coach if he wins the super bowl i think he's top three coach of all time top five whatever however you want to call it i was locking top five for sure i was yeah. locking top five for sure I mean, um, and no one really talks about him like that. Yeah, 
No, you're right. You're very right. And it and it, it falls down to his time. Like we said, this is a perfect storyline, him going up against his former team. He's the most – I want to say he's the most winningest, winningest coach in both of these franchises, the Eagles and the Chiefs franchise, and he's won a lot of games. Has he won a lot of important games? At this point in his career, yes. But once he was – or once upon a time, he was on the Eagles. He was, he was their head coach, and he wasn't winning many – Big time playoff games. He, he obviously didn't bring back a Super Bowl to Philadelphia during Ooh. his time, but he was winning a lot of games. And you know, this is going to be a big game for him to cement his legacy. I think you're right, Stav. He's. I think right now he's on the fringe of top five. And I, I don't. I obviously don't have all the names in my head of the top ten coaches in NFL history because it dates back so far. But Andy Reid is up there. If he gets this other one, we'll we'll be talking about him for a long time. And I think I'm we already should. He's been a fantastic coach some breaking news about the Chiefs uh, as, as of a few hours ago. Andy Reid said today that he doubts Michael Hardman will be able to play in the Super Bowl, which is huge. We just talked about it. Let's see if these other guys can step up yeah. and uh, play. Yeah, and, and, play and I could see football. a big game from Valdez Scantling. And, and, mm-hmm. and I could see a big game from Pacheco, even with that defensive line from Philadelphia. I think Pacheco's a hard runner. And Pacheco's, in my opinion, a guy that fits – in that NFC East style of game. Like, he is a hard runner, a hard-nosed guy, and, and he's going to pick up some big first downs in this game. But uh, before we get too much into the game, I, I say we I say we shift focus, Stav, and we talk about mm-hmm. some college ball for the first time this season. Uh, to start off, um, Stav, you know, we're, we're going to be doing more of an introduction into the land of college basketball as we shift focus. Obviously, football season is ending. So it's like, what are we going to talk about? We're going to be talking about some some puck here and there. There's going to be a little bit of puck, puck talk. Uh, there's going to be some NBA. But something that I've really wanted to been focusing on uh, for the past couple of weeks is, is college basketball. And college basketball mm-hmm. has been super exciting all year. Uh, Stav has been getting into it within like the past week or so. Um, I've been trying to submerge him. Let them know a little bit about the teams. We got some questions that were sent in as well. We're going to be answering those, just kind of doing an all-around introduction, the IT5 college basketball introduction. Uh, Going to talk about some games this weekend as well. Saturday is a big slate. So I say we get right into things. And when you're talking about college basketball, the first thing you have to talk about is the Boilermakers. Purdue, the first unanimous one seed uh, this season. Um, obviously it's looking like their center who's like seven foot eight, Zach Edie, uh, is going to lock up Naismith player of the year. So if anybody's, you know, a betting man, his number, actually, if you want to look at the odds to win the Naismith player of the year, Stav minus 500, that's how much. That's crazy. And we already, we still have a month left of college basketball as we wind down into this time. But I just, you know, I had to throw out something for Purdue. The Big Ten has been all right. Um, They have the one seed, obviously, in Purdue. They play Indiana uh, on Saturday. Indiana is the only other ranked team in the the Big Ten. But there's a few teams that are in the Big Ten that that are on the verge uh, of being ranked as well. But Indiana has been a great team. It's going to be a good game. And Purdue has struggled throughout the season. Um, in, in these big Big Ten matchups, they they've, I mean, you can't say struggle. They've only lost one, but the one that they lost was to Rutgers on, on a crazy game. I, I watched the full game. That was about a, uh, three weeks to a month ago now. And Purdue has still not lost since. There's only two, I think, one loss teams 
in the ranked 25. The other one's UAB. So, or FAU. FAU. FAU is the other one lost team. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. But I wanted to throw some light on Purdue, as you should, because unanimous one seed. And it was the first time this year someone's been a unanimous one seed. So you had to throw a, a little shout out there. But Stav, we got some questions. Yeah. yeah. I said we I said we kick into some of those. So this year in general, I feel like has kind of been more up in the air in college basketball, right? Like, obviously, we can talk about Purdue being the one seed. But after that, it's kind of just kind of a jumble of teams where certain teams lose games that they shouldn't. They lose or in close matchups end up being a blowout. And then, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of uh, fluctuation throughout the top 25 when it comes to strength of teams, which essentially gets down to being – a great tournament, right? There's going to be so much uncertainty. There's no clear winner. So the first question that was sent into us was the top four is Purdue, Tennessee, Houston, and Bama. Is Do we think that's going to stay somewhat consistent throughout the rest of the year? Is there going to be fluctuation there? Because I know you're not a big fan of Houston, but mm-hmm. some of these teams just are dom. Like, for example, last night, uh, Bam, or two nights ago, I think it was Tuesday, Bama won by like four. 40, the biggest – they beat Vanderbilt. It's the biggest margin of victory in SEC basketball history. Mm-hmm. And Bama's just dominate. And then we talk about Tennessee, right? They lost last night to Florida. Um, Houston lost last week. There's, you know, certain teams in the top five, they're not really performing up to top five level. The lower teams like Bama, who was ranked number four, when I mean lower, I mean in the top four, they end up dominating – night in and night out. So how do we see this top four fluctuating? You know, uh, it's a good question because it's going to move a lot. And and it it relates back to your point being made that a lot of these teams are losing games that aren't losable in in people's minds. And I'll, I'll go right back to Bama. You know, you said they had a big win against Vanderbilt, but you look earlier in that week, they took a tough loss by like 24, I think 24 or 20. Yeah, no, 24 points to Oklahoma in Oklahoma, who has been decent this year. In my opinion, they're a bubble team to uh, get into the to the tournament. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting ride for them. They picked up a big sector one win against Bama. Bama falls down to the four seed, which boosts Tennessee up two spots. Um, and I don't see Tennessee staying there. Um, the, SAC, the SEC has been very, very good this year, and it's built a strong core throughout. And it's funny because the only two teams that we've talked about our SEC team so far. So, I mean, it's a perfect example. You have Tennessee and Bama up there, and those are two teams that are going to have a tough road throughout the rest of the season. When you play, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, you get down to February, you get down to conference championship time especially, especially, um, you're going to pick up a few losses. You're going to have to in the SEC because every team plays you tough unless you're Vanderbilt on a on a Tuesday night against Alabama. But I, I just want to say for starters, I cannot see Tennessee sticking in that two seed um, w- within the next two weeks. I think obviously if they if they win throughout the weekend, um, they'll stay there because it's hard to move a team that doesn't lose for the week. Um, but throughout throughout the the next couple of weeks, I could see Tennessee tagging a loss or two onto the column as well. They're sitting at eighteen and three, and I could see Bama staying though. That's the weird thing is, is I think Bama has a great squad. Um, and there's been some like controversy, obviously, throughout uh, that that team. Some players kicked off, some crazy stuff going on 
in the state of Alabama in general, but they've been really sticking with their guy in Brandon Miller, who's been special. He's been very good. Mm -hmm. And he's one of my guys, you know, I've been loving to watch all year. Brandon Miller from Bama. I I see him carrying those guys. And I think Bama finishes honestly in the top five at the end of the season. And, you know, I'm not a Houston guy, as you said, um, but since you asked to talk about the top four, I think Houston stays at three, maybe throughout the rest of the season. They're, they're playing in the American, obviously. And in the SEC, it's hard to win. In the American, it's hard to lose. They play Wichita State uh, tonight as the night, at the night of this recording. As of right now, looking at the landscape, looking throughout the rest of their season, they don't play a single ranked team. For the, re- for the rest of the way out. They played Bama earlier in the season. They lost. Um, that's the only ranked team that they've played. Or they played Virginia as well. They actually got a big win against Virginia. That's right. Um, but I I don't see them losing. They can't. Uh, if anything, it would be to Memphis. But they're home versus Memphis halfway through February. And, and then they're away in Memphis March 5th by then. I mean, are you still at two losses in Houston? It, it, it's tough for them to lose in the American. They're, 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 they're not really going to do anything too too special. But to just wrap it up, the one seed, Purdue, I think Purdue's the one seed the rest of the way through. South. Well, I mean, I, I have no pro- problem agreeing you, with you in that. And I like how you brought up the SEC because I feel like the SEC isn't really regarded as a basketball conference. Yep. You know, you talk about baseball. Years. You, yeah, you yep. talk about baseball, you talk about football with them essentially and now they're putting these teams together that are really competing on a national level i mean Mm -hmm. let's talk about the top 25 you have three teams in there with alabama tennessee and auburn texas a&m who had a terrible loss i mean they're 15 and 7 right now but a lot of teams are above 500 right now competing well in the conference like a&m in the conference is seven and two kentucky will Mm -hmm. make a run kentucky always will make runs they're seven and two or i'm sorry they're six and three in the conference florida just had a huge win over yep. Tennessee, they're six and three in the conference right now. So all these teams really are going to make a bounce back. Like we know in Arkansas's level of defense, I know they're fifteen and seven. They have a losing record in the conference. But when conference play comes around, teams surprise you, right? Like yeah. certain teams will, like a, a lower seed in the conference will elevate their performance and definitely and play excellent basketball. And the SEC is one of those conferences. It's like a knit. It's they remind me of the football too in yeah. the conference where it's just nitty gritty, playing great defense and really just bringing it to your opponent. And if we want to talk about the other conferences too, the big 12 has some competitors, right? I mean, seven, eight, and 10 right now you have Kansas state, Kansas, and Texas. 11. Um, and 11 too. I, I, I don't know why I cut off there. Texas beat <laughs> Baylor uh, Monday night, yep. which was a huge win. Uh, and then going forward for Texas, they have Kansas state and Kansas. They mm-hmm. have, they face Kansas state Saturday, Kansas on Monday. So that's a quick turnaround. If they can win a few of those games, you could probably see them in the top five if certain teams lose whatever. So that it'll be it'll be an interesting month and a half until conference play. You know, a lot of seeding could change. Yeah, and, and just you know, to kind of wrap up that thought on the Big 12, um, the Big 12 has the most teams currently ranked. They have six teams in the top 15 right now. You know, yeah, you, you mentioned Kansas State, Kansas. Texas and Baylor, you go down to 13. They got Iowa State in there who has been great all season shooting shooting the ball, playing good defense as well. And then TCU, who has kind of taken a step back just with 
conference play, obviously, at the beginning of the year, they were fantastic. TCU is still a great basketball team. They're ranked 15th right now. The Big 12, um, I would say not the most competitive but the best, I, I would say, I would say it's a bit top heavy, but you know, you yeah, also have those teams like Michigan and Michigan state who are very good. And Tom Izzo's had a very good year at, at, at uh, state and, and there's different teams as well. Like even Rutgers who's knocked down some or Rutgers and big 10, excuse me. I meant to say, what did I mean to say? I was looking at something, but I mean, let me, let me just, let me just say I made a mistake, but still six teams in the top 15. Um, You, you got some, Great squads, and I was just completely thinking of the Big Ten right there, including when I was saying Michigan and Michigan State. I was ready to talk about the Big Ten today. I'm ready to talk about the Big 12, too. Great teams throughout the Big 12. And and Kansas is a team that I want to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, and that leads into our next uh, question. I mean, Kansas Kansas is my college ball team in a way. After I kind of hopped on the bandwagon last year, I picked them to win it all. They did. I bet them live national championship when they were down by 15. Um, they had a big win Tuesday night. There's no doubting it, right? Earlier in the season, I believe they lost to Kansas State. They come back and have a, a double-digit win against their rival. Um, are they, as the defending national champions, are they primed to make another run to the title? Well, the funny thing is, yes, but – with pretty much a completely different core. And we're looking at Jalen Wilson, who is the best player on this team, who's a junior and was on this team last year. But you would argue that Oche Obaji was the best player on the Kansas Jayhawks last year. This year, there's no doubt about it, it's Jalen Wilson. And Jalen Wilson, um, I would probably say, is number two for Naismith Player of the Year. But Edie obviously has that thing locked down. But Jalen Wilson has been putting up numbers. All year, he's been averaging, I want to say, around 18 – or no, more, 21 points per game at this point, which is insane at the college level. And then you look at, you know, a couple of other guys that they got on their squad. They picked up Grady Dick um, this past offseason, um, who's been good. You know, he's been a 6'8 guard for them who can shoot the three, who does the right things, and he plays good defense. And, and he is the perfect – example of you know like a six eight wing out of kansas and i don't know if he'll stay or if he'll be a one and done but if he stays he's someone that you could be looking at as you know someone that's like a oche obaji who stays a couple of years gets a lot better and, and someone as well on his team in, in wilson who is the perfect example of that because he's doing it right now but what i'm scared about um throughout the rest of the year is what that bench is going to do. They don't go deep and going throughout the conference tournament. At some point you have to get a little bit deeper um, off your bench um, throughout the the home stretch of this season. And I know it's conference play. They're sitting at 18 and four. I could see them picking up, you know, maybe two or three more losses just with the inefficiency that they get from their bench when their bench is on. And there's only really four guys out of it. You know, they're, they're, none of them are really scoring double digits, but they're putting up combined numbers. They're doing their thing. I just, you know, you have questions of depth a lot. And, and a team that I think about a lot as well when it comes to depth is like a Duke. You see year in and year out, you know, you have like those big star players. And for Kansas, you know, it's obviously Wilson, it's Grady Dick, and it's – um. It's Juwan Harris Jr. That, who's averaging, I mean, seven points a game, but he's really stepped up due to some injuries. 
we'll we'll see we'll see what this team does. But I, I think they have a very good chance at it. I could see them picking up a, a, another loss or two just because of how difficult uh, this conference is this year, and honestly, how it is every year in the Big Twelve. But just the way that this team is coached has been magnificent throughout the year. They move the ball. I mean, Spurs-esque, like prime Spurs-esque, the way that they move the ball. And something that you love in college basketball is having that guy. Jalen Wilson is that guy. When it's all said and done, there's three seconds left on the clock. Jalen Wilson's probably the number one person that I would want on my court in terms of college basketball players right now. Yeah, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's averaging over 20 points a game eight and a half rebounds as well, which both lead this Kansas team. And a name that I kind of am looking forward to seeing as the season progresses too with this Kansas team is Grady Dick. I mean, he was a highly rated prospect going into college. Um, I think he was top 10 in the nation for rankings. I'm I'm not 100% sure. He definitely was. He was a McDonald's All-American as well. Yeah. So they have, I mean, like you said, they have some talent, but it's really about the depth, right? And when it comes down to the tournament, I know I'm really looking ahead. When it comes down to conference play, when it comes down to the tournament, it's really about how you battle through adversity, right? Because mm-hmm. I guarantee one game in conference play or one game in the in the March Madness, uh, Jalen Wilson won't be playing to the level that we know he's capable of, right? And the other guys around him are going to have to step up. Or if he's in foul trouble or w- whatever it may be. So it's really about depth. And they really don't have much uh veteran leadership too in the top half of the team right like you mentioned last year they had some studs but those guys are all graduating in the nba now so or they're in the nba i don't know necessarily why i said graduated but you my point is across it's really going to come down to coaching how they can battle through adversity as well i I mean this is a talented team no doubt they're top 10 in the nation for a reason they're probably going to move up next week too if they can win these next few games so It'll be interesting to see how the season shakes up, especially in a very talented conference like the Big 12. Yeah, definitely. It's The Big 12 is tough this year, and it's just, in my opinion, top-heavy, I would Mm -hmm. say. But the thing is with the Big 12 is they're top-heavy in a good way. You know, they have the most teams. They have six teams ranked right now. And if you have six teams ranked, you know, how can you be top-heavy at that point? But I feel like once it gets past those teams – And that's all you really need. It it does take a bit of a drop. There's a couple of teams that are hanging around the fringe and like Oklahoma state, who's at 13 and nine, these teams just aren't performing well, you know, in conference play, they, they, Oklahoma, another one of them who picked up a big win um, last week and, and they're still at two and seven in the conference. Like it's, it's all going to come down to conference record and Texas right now is seven and two and they're atop the conference right now. So they will be, if the season ended today, they would be the one seed in the conference tournament, which goes a long way for a team, but you're right, Stav. It's going to be tough right after that. Uh, TCU, it, it goes Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas tech. And none of those teams have won more than four games in the conference. So, the Big 12 is awesome with those six teams. It, it, I just wish they didn't have the rest in there, to be honest. Texas Tech, uh, oh, we're down here. Texas Tech is going to do pretty good. So is Oklahoma. I mean, and there's still some time for them to make up some ground, but I agree with you for the most part. I mean, top heavy. Seeding always matters in that case. Let's move on to the next question. We already mentioned some teams, obviously, in the top half. I mean, we've mentioned some conferences as well. But 
name some teams that have really surprised you up to this point. You know, we if we especially look kind of towards, and this can be in a good way or a bad way, like a team that you thought was going to be good going into the year and hasn't lived up to expectations or vice versa, a team that you really didn't have much expectations for, but it has ranked and is making some noise in the college basketball world. Yeah, so I'll give – I'll give two for each side. Um, we're going to start positively mm-hmm. with, uh, I mean, everybody's saying K-State, but I got to say K-State. Kansas State has been magnificent all year. They've been awesome, and it's been a lot uh, due to the fact that they picked up Keontae Johnson in the transfer portal. Obviously, uh, former Gator, former Florida player, former very highly touted recruit, Um Everybody pretty much knows his story at this point. It's been a, a wonderful comeback to watch, and he's been leading this team. And, and you don't see that often from uh, from transfers. And, and it's cool with the transfer portal now because, you know, you can just up and walk away and the next day be playing for the next team. But it shows exactly, like, how important it is for these players. And Keontae Johnson is a perfect example of – Sometimes you need to go somebody somewhere else. And, and when he was at Florida, he collapsed on the floor during conference play. He hadn't played since. He came back for a little bit, but by then there was new coaches. The, it's a whole new system. He had to go. He went to Kansas State, and Kansas State, who hasn't been good at basketball in years, in years right now, is sitting at the seventh seed. They're eight and four. He's leading the way for them. They've been fantastic all year they've been very fun to watch all year when you talked about their game against kansas and kansas who won by 12 it was still a great game to watch it, it wasn't a 12 point blowout they pulled away at the end before that they went into overtime with kansas and they won by one point and i mean it's it's been great to watch this team throughout the whole year the losses that they've picked up came against tcu who, who has played tough obviously i said they're one of the ranked teams iowa state as well is still ranked um, but they've beaten some good teams. They have some quad one wins. They beat Texas. They beat Baylor. They beat West Virginia. Um, they didn't have that tough of a of an out-of-conference schedule, but once they got back into that conference, which, like I said, is very tough, they, they've been very good. They've been very, very fun to watch as well. Another team that uh, – I mean, if this was a couple of weeks ago, I would have said UConn compared to the beginning of the season. But now I kind of want to put UConn on my my upsetting list. Because they're sitting at 24, they're 16 and 6. There was a time where they were one of three unbeaten teams. There was a time where they were the one seed. And, and it looked like basketball was back at UConn. And we haven't talked much of the Big East. So I'm going to throw UConn as, as one of my disappointments, even though they're at the 24, because I think that they had a big skid, a big two week skid where they lost three or four games. And losing three or four games in two weeks in college basketball is like losing two weeks in a row in college football. It's like you're going to fall. You're going to fall heavy. That's exactly what UConn has done. They still have a very, very good foundation of young players over there. And I would guess that most of them are going to stay. And I'm talking about their seven-footer Donovan Klingon. And they have a few guards on that team as well. My guess is they're going to stay. They're going to be great for the next couple of years. They have recruits rolling in as well. I love the Big East. The Big East is back, but UConn has been very upsetting watching them the past couple of weeks, picking up these losses, trending in the wrong direction. Um, But to get back on a positive note, let's talk about a team that has been very surprising in a very positive way, 
also in the Big East. Obviously, this is a Massachusetts podcast. I love basketball. I love college basketball. If you love college basketball, you're from New England. You grew up on the Big East. So even though this is the new Big East, I still love watching the Big East. And Providence has been very fun to watch all year. They're the 17th seed in the nation. They're 17 and 6. They're not second in the Big East. They're third in the Big East. And that just goes to show how great the Big East has been as well. You know, you have teams like Xavier. You have teams like um, UConn, obviously. Marquette. Marquette obviously. Yeah. Seton Hall has been up and down as well throughout the year. But, you know, they took a tough loss to Miami to begin the year. And from there on out, it was kind of like, okay, that was kind of their big win game that they needed at the beginning of the season. But once conference play, I mean, started, they came out firing. And they were winning games, winning games. They had a little two-loss skit a couple of weeks ago where they had to play Creighton at Creighton. And then two days later had to play Marquette at Marquette. Creighton, who was unranked, has been great this year, in my opinion. And Creighton's always a good basketball uh, school, a good program as well. Providence, the Friars, watch out for them. They're very well coached. They play defense. They run down the court. That's, that's a team that, like, if somebody's like, I haven't watched much basketball, who should I be watching? I would say Providence. They're fun. They're flashy. They run around the court, um, and they get things done. It, it's been very fun. Um, and my – Last upsetment, I would say that's not a real word, but I'm gonna say it's a word because I'm I'm going off right now. I'm gonna tie. I'm gonna have a tie. Two teams. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, Duke, UNC. The both of them. The both of them should be ranked. The both of them are very close to being ranked, but every single time they teeter on that line. The thing is, you can't have Duke or UNC be a 25 seed. They're either they're either top 22. Or they're just not ranked. The 23, 24, 25 is for bottom tier power five schools and then mid-majors. You cannot have a blue blood in there. And, and that kind of screws these teams out. I would say this past uh, AP poll that, that was released had Duke and UNC as one of their top vote getters and, and just left off. And they play a big game on Saturday at Duke. That's going to be huge. I think whoever wins that game on Monday will be ranked. And, and UNC um, has picked up a couple tough losses, and obviously that's my team, um, my favorite basketball team. And Duke, obviously, if UNC is your favorite basketball team, Duke is your least favorite basketball team. But Duke's been picking up some big wins. And, and some games where they really shouldn't have won, they they found a way to win those games. And, and Duke – you know, I don't. I obviously don't want to say that they're going to win on Saturday, but if they do win on Saturday, my prediction is is they'll find their spot in the ranking. But as of right now, those two teams were highly touted coming into the season. UNC obviously came into the season as the one seed, returned four of their starters. They're not ranked right now, and we're going into February. It is February. Happy February, and they're nowhere to be found. So I I, I do think that they'll pick it up throughout the rest of this run. And, and I think we'll be seeing some signs of life from them in the conference tournament. And I think they'll make a little run in March Madness as well. They have their guys. They just haven't clicked yet. And, and I know for a fact that they will. For now, they're a disappointment. Well, I mean, my big question, because like we said to start this segment, is I haven't really been keeping up much with college basketball. I mean, I, I look at the standings every so often. I'll put my bets in here and there. But their core return. Like Armando yeah. Baycott, Caleb Love, 
uh, RJ Davis, Leaky Black, Puff Johnson, like all these yeah. guys returned. And, yeah. you know, I mean, we said it. They were the one seed going into the season, and they, they've kind of gone through a weird stretch where um, they haven't been performing as we expected them. But if we want to talk about last season as well, they weren't expected to make any run in the, yeah, in the exactly. tournament. So it's honestly, it's honestly kind of similar to to this last season setup, and that and that goes right back to my point where I I I know for a fact that they're not done. Yeah, so it's just all about getting in, right? Especially for this UNC team, who the, the, it's the biggest game of the year every single year in college basketball: Duke versus UNC. Excuse me, which is happening this. I'm not this Saturday. Every year they fin- they finish the season playing against each other as well. That will be a big game as well. But this is a big test. Um, I would like to go to into a little bit more depth about UNC's outlook if that's cool stop. Yeah, look, yeah. So like, just I mean, they played Duke on Saturday at Duke, and that's a tough game. And looking back at their season, they started off wobbly, uh, off uh, out of conference. You know, the first few games you don't play great teams. Um, I would say their best win in their first five games was the College of Charleston, who just recently became unranked. They, they were ranked for a good amount of time. But then towards the end of out-of-conference, once you get into those little beginning-of-season tournament games, um, they had a very tough run. And, and it was due to the fact that they had to play Iowa State, who was unranked at the time, but they're now ranked, Bama, Indiana, and then Virginia Tech, who they lost four in a row. Those four teams beat them all in a row from there on out. I mean, they were the one seed at the beginning of this and they're starting to fall apart. You go up, you beat Ohio state, you beat Michigan, and then you get into conference play. Um, and you start that run of conference plays against Pitt. That's a must win game. They lose that. I mean, it, it's just those little inconsistencies that's been screwing UNC all year. And it screws them obvious, honestly, often. And, you lose to Virginia. That makes sense. But other than that, you shouldn't be losing to Pitt twice. They've lost they, – they got swept this season by Pitt, which is a team that we compete against, the team that is also kind of on the verge of being ranked. And then you, you have Duke two more times this year. Um, you play Clemson again, who Clemson is 20th in the nation. They've been great this year. Another team, kind of like Kansas State, who is in a good conference but hasn't been good in the past few years. They've stepped up. They have Clemson and Miami back-to-back. Those are going to be tough for them, but I like their chances against Miami. Then they have NC State. NC State's been great all year. Um, an unranked ACC team that's going to make some noise in in their conference tournament. Um, then they have to see Virginia one more time. They got to see Duke. They got to see Florida State. It's a tough road out. I'm not saying they're going to win out, but once it gets to conference tournament time, I like UNC against a lot of these ACC teams due to experience, obviously, and due to overall. I mean, if they're if UNC is 100% healthy, which they haven't really been throughout the season, they're going to be dangerous. If you get that starting five and you get Pete Nance, uh, the transfer at, at the power forward, if you get him to do what he's actually supposed to do, he pisses me off. He, he, he will, We will win some basketball games. No, I mean, it's not a bad assessment. We talk about veteran leadership a lot, right? I mean, they have that. And they have coaching. They've been there. They've done it. We just need to actually see them execute it, right? Because I think a lot of the time, the worst thing that a team can do is prove to everyone that they can do it. Because at the same time, the expectations get so goddamn high that you don't really realize that these are still college kids, right? I mean, 
I, we talk about the overall team, but Armando Baycott, he's averaging a double-double with almost 18 yeah. points a game and 12 rebounds, which is unreal. And I think we need to see a little bit more out of some of the other guys like R.J. Davis. But, I mean, this team is capable. And I, I'm not really worried about a UNC team when it comes down to the tournament or in conference play. The ACC is really evenly dispersed, in my opinion. I mean, okay. if you want to talk about the standings, we, we mentioned Clemson. Clemson is the 20th-ranked team in the nation, and they're leading the ACC. A hot stretch for some of these teams like Duke, UNC, even Miami could get them to the top of the conference, right? I mean, Pitt had a great win on Saturday last week. So there's there's a lot of – there can be a lot of fluctuation in the ACC. I know this is kind of talking – like our first question, like how do we see the top four shaking out? But the ACC could fluctuate a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, I hate talking about like BC because they continue to just be mediocre every single year, but they're competing with a lot of these teams. I know they're sitting at about 500. I'm not saying that they're going to end up. No, no, but stop. You're, you're, no, you're totally right. Boston College, I've watched a lot of Boston College this year and. They were putting up a fight against North Carolina, and I don't know the names of everybody that plays at Boston College. I know a few names, a few uh, guys from uh, the city as well that I grew up in on the Boston College team. But they've been putting up fights, and and I watched them play UNC two weeks ago, um, and they lost 72-64. to But that was just due to the fact that, honestly, their center fouled out with, like, six minutes left. And from there on out, I don't think Armando Baycott passed the ball to anybody else. BC has been putting up fights against these teams. Um, They lost to Duke by one um, at Boston College. They've been looking, like, not great, but they've been, been like, a true testament to the fact that any of these teams in the ACC, I would say with the exception of uh, Louisville, could beat anybody any given day. I I think Louisville. I mean, obviously you see them at the bottom of the standings, but if you if you've watched them play, it says Georgia Tech's below them. Georgia Tech is maybe three times better than Louisville is at basketball this year. Louisville is just terrible. But other than that, <clears throat> in in Pittsburgh, who who beat UNC twice, they're third, sitting at nine and three in the conference, and their their standings. In terms of the ACC, they're over Miami. Miami's ranked. NC State's also over Miami at eight and four right now. And these are these are teams: Pittsburgh, NC State, Duke, UNC, all in the ACC. And I would even throw Wake Forest, who's at fourteen and nine right now, but sitting at six and six in the conference, which is tough for them. They they could be ranked by the end of the season if they go on a little run in the conference. It all comes down to conference uh, conference standings at this point in the ACC is in my opinion the the most fun regular season college basketball like to watch throughout the season because these teams form it's usually duke and unc at the top virginia's been at the top a a lot the past few years miami's been good nc state's been good notre dame is having an off year but they have good years florida state has good years syracuse has good years and i would even look up for syracuse a lot of these teams it's like it's not guaranteed that one of these top half teams is going to win the tournament. To be honest, yeah. I could yeah. see Syracuse winning the tournament. I could see Wake Forest winning the tournament. Um, but yeah, the ACC is exciting. The ACC, I'm up there. The ACC and the Big East are, are my favorite two conferences. So I love talking about that. Well, I mean, it all kind of circles back to our original question about the fluctuation in 
the top four, all these conferences aren't guaranteed, right? No. Like there's no clear winner. There's no clear best teams. Like in the past, we've had some of these teams. Like last year, Gonzaga was considered the best team in college basketball, and they fell up short. There, I mean, there were still – I mean, all there was questions, but years prior, we've seen certain teams step up and really throw a wrench into the rankings. And especially when it comes down to conference play, I know we're about a, a month away from that. But it's it's real. This is why we love college basketball. Anything can happen. Upsets happen, and fluctuation in rankings happen yeah. weekly. And yeah, I we talked about some of these teams. Let's talk about some players too. Um, I, I mean, we we mentioned some players throughout as well while we're talking about the teams. But I'm curious to hear what <clears throat> players you're interested in really looking out for every single Saturday when the slate's on. Yeah, I mean, my favorite two players I already mentioned in college basketball right now are Jalen Wilson from Kansas, who, like we said, is averaging over 28 game, and Brandon Miller from Alabama. Um, just looking at the SEC, what he's done with that team, I already mentioned his name. I think he's averaging around 19 points per game. Um, at one point, he was the leading scorer in the nation. He kind of fell back a little bit, but he's he's been great throughout the whole season. Um, looking at these different teams – it's weird because a lot of these teams are, you know, ran by transfers. And then a lot of other teams like a UNC is ran by the guys that are coming back. And I guess I'll start with UNC. Armando Baycott, something that you have to look out for um, <clears throat> going into March. He is somebody that always shines. And I would even say Caleb Love as well if we're talking UNC. Um, if we want to get back to the um, to the Big Ten, Indiana has Trace Jackson Davis, who was awesome last year. He's awesome again this year. He's not – I mean, he could prove me wrong, but he's not an NBA player. He's not an NBA build, but he's like that perfect college power forward who's athletic, who can run down the court. But he doesn't really have that much of an offensive bag other than what he can do in the post, and he's only like six seven, so he he can't really do that in the NBA. But he he's one of those fun college basketball players to watch. Um, Oscar Shibway, if we want to talk about a team that isn't ranked right now in Kentucky, um, Oscar Shibway literally won the Neesmith Player of the Year last year, and he's still in college basketball. Um, he's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to have eyes on throughout. Uh, the next couple of weeks going into conference tournaments um, just because of the fact that he can go out and he can win you a basketball game by himself. He scores a double-double every single game. He's been magnificent, um, and, and that's a word I like to use with, with these college basketball players. Shout out Dickie V, magnificent. Um, but other than that, there's like a couple of low-key guys that I like to watch in Big East. Uh, you're talking about Xavier Soli Baum has been a guy that I like. I watch him and it's like I, I don't even know what he's doing. He's just making plays out of nowhere. He's been very fun to watch. Um, UConn obviously has Donovan Glingen, who's seven foot one. Um, he's like, I mean, just kind of like a guy that should have been a high recruit. And for some reason, like it was just known that he was going to UConn the whole time. He's a Connecticut guy. Um, I've known him throughout high school because he played AAU with one of my good friends who, who's now at Brown playing basketball. But Donovan Klingon, in my eyes, has always been a, like a very good basketball player. And when you're seven foot one, you know, you're going to be good. Keontae Johnson's a name that I've already named um, coming out of Kansas State, leading the Big 12 in scoring. Um, or 
second in the Big 12 in scoring, excuse me. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's a few players, a few different teams. But at the end of the day, the best player in the nation is Zach Eady from Purdue. And, and, and it's obvious the minus 500 at the odds to win the Neesmith player of the year. The thing that I'm scared of with Purdue is I just don't think that they'll be able to get it done throughout the rest of this season. Once it gets to March Madness, it's hard to rely on a big, and we saw it with Sheboy last year. Um, it's hard to completely rely on a big to win you every game when you're playing every other day because it's the workload. If you're the number one option and you're a center, it, it is very difficult. Zach Eady's been special. He's going to continue to shine throughout the rest of the season and in the tournament, but he's going to be fatigued. So I, I'd watch out for, for someone like a Brandon Miller out of the SEC Someone like a Jalen Wilson um, out of the, out of the Big Twelve, and there. I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys, obviously, as there is. We're not going to talk much about mid majors, but Max Obmus is back for Oral Roberts for like the fifteenth year. So that that's my one mid major player, which is everybody's mid major player. But the, those are pretty much the guys that I obviously a lot of the top guys in the nation, but a lot of the guys that I'd like to watch as well. And I had to throw in a Big East name in there as well. So. You know, kind of, we, I feel like we haven't really talked much about this team that I'm thinking of right now. If we want to talk about veteran leadership, I feel like there's no better team to talk about than UCLA. I mean, we don't talk to any SEC. Well, the UCLA, I feel like UCLA has had the same core since. Yeah, Tiger what, Campbell, 20- Johnny Juzang, or Juzang might be gone, right? But they have um, uh, the forward who's. Uh, Hawkes. They still have yeah, Hawkins there. So, like, the, a lot of these guys are on their third year approaching them being their third, fourth tournament. So, yeah. it's – I mean, uh, Juzang is gone, but Hawkins has been that core piece, that um, that veteran leader that you really look and at. And Tiger Campbell, that point guard, he's been awesome every year that he's been there. Yeah, exactly. So, it, these guys – it's one of those things where it's like you can't really count out UCLA because they've been there, they've done that, they've been in deep tournament runs, and they still have returning guys every single year that know what it takes. So I, I know I'm talking big picture, but it's really not too far away. I know we're doing our college basketball yeah. preview type yeah. episode. Yeah, but you know, going, going season, on into but... further weeks, we'll talk about you know we'll we'll actually get into like the games and, and talking yeah. about who's playing who and, and we'll talk about how the game went, but, but this was just a brief introduction and I'm sorry for leaving out all, all the sec throughout the whole episode, but I guess I'll throw out another name um, out of Arizona. who's the five ranked team in the nation. The only reason I didn't say this name earlier, because I I'm going to, I'm about to butcher the pronunciation Azulis Tabellas, who I've only watched a couple of Arizona games, but, you know, I was looking through earlier, and I was like, yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen them play, and he's been the best player on that team. So when he's the best player on the fifth team in the country, you you deserve to have a, a, a brief shout-out. But, yeah, no, you're right. It, it's, it's a good time to get into college basketball. It's the beginning of February, and it's almost starting to get into good NBA time as well. So we're going to be talking some NBA ball too soon. But for now, I mean, it's just LeBron James crying. Oh my god! I, I can't wait until we do. I mean, we did our NBA preview, but when we get back into NBA, there's so much to talk about. There's so many good storylines yeah. that uh, I, I say we uh, 
Next week is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl week. We can't talk basketball during Super Bowl week unless we do its own separate episode. Well, we'll talk about this behind the scenes, and you'll see if we yeah, if we we'll see, do it or not. I guess. But, yeah, I, th- I think that this is going to wrap up this episode, Sav. Yeah, I, I have nothing – I don't have anything else to add. I mean, hey, we're getting to that point in the year where – I mean, Super Bowl right into March Madness and conference play. So it's it's an exciting time for sports. And then the Masters. Yep. And then so we're on Masters Watch too. I think it's almost golf season, guys. Uh, I was actually talking about, you know, got like 30 minutes to kill on the recording or 30 seconds to kill on the recording. Um, I've realized that I just can't be like happy in life. Like I'm just like not happy unless I'm able to golf. I haven't been able to golf in like the past few months we haven't golfed since we hit the simulator i just haven't been happy i miss um want to know what something i don't know if you saw this one no because you didn't go that way um there's a golf simulator place literally opening up five minutes from me not even really i saw there was one opening in in the seaport as well and i was going to tell you about that um there's one in seaport and there's one in government center it's called five iron golf i looked inside i I walked by that's what it was that's what it was so they're opening up two close to me which is sick um, I looked inside cause I walked by it almost every day on my way to class and that uh-huh. it looks cool. You got a bunch of TVs, projectors, I mean, it's your golf simulator place. It looked a lot like the uh, X golf that we went to back home, Yeah, but I mean, this one, it's probably the first one in this, or they have one at banners too, but yeah, that one's hard like to, the, yeah, it's a screen. It's not, it's not, a, it's not its own no, it's individual not. place. Yeah, so, yeah, I just I need I just needed to get that off my chest. I just I miss golf so much, mm-hmm. and yeah. there will be golf content coming this summer, obviously. But before we get too dragged along, I said we wrap this thing up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we, wrap it up we hope you guys enjoyed. Big flag football game on Sunday. Um, huge flag football game on Sunday. I get mm-hmm. to see my favorite quarterback, Snoop Huntley. Uh, <laughs> Command the offense of the AFC. Um, but no, in all seriousness, make sure you tune in on Sunday. Watch Geno Smith get some buckets. Uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. Peace.